0: I think the best thing we can be doing is, as we're influencing is, is being built to last and, and looking for longevity. And steadiness over years and decades and that kind of is not a sexy concept but i think it's one that historically wins over time is can you be built for the long haul and not just some short-term influence grab some chase and race for instagram followers or social media followers or all that kind of stuff I, I think we're one pulled the plug on that away from all that just being nothing and what's left is who you are internally and on the inside
1: Welcome to this week's episode of the Lively Last Podcast. We are your hosts, James and Lisa Duvall.
2: It's hard to believe, but we are coming to the end of our second season. We hope you found value in each show. If you find today's content helpful, we'd appreciate you sharing it with your friends and family. It's the best way for new people to get acquainted with our podcast.
1: With summertime approaching, we're planning on taking some time from producing new weekly content and spend some time working on the podcast for season three. So after this episode, we will be releasing one more episode and then taking a short break before coming back with a brand new season.
2: We're so excited. Excited about season three and some changes that we'll be making to the format. It's going to be fun.
1: Yeah, so today we have Justin Brown as our guest. Justin has spent the last eight years coaching at multiple levels in the baseball industry. At the age of 26, he became one of the youngest head coaches in the NCAA. Alongside his coaching duties, he has served as a college athletic administrator as well as an adjunct professor in strategic leadership in sport. After successfully leading two collegiate baseball programs, Justin left the coaching ranks to spend more time. with his family and launch Stay the Course Leadership. We had a great time talking about influence and his new book, Stay the Course, Five Transformational Principles of Leaders Who Last.
2: I know that you are so excited about this conversation, James, seeing that Justin is a fellow Ohio State Buckeye fan.
1: Yes, he is. And we did talk about our obsession with the Buckeyes. O-H. I-O.
2: I know. Well, let's jump in and we'll be back at the end of the conversation.
1: So, Justin, it's great to connect and spend some time together with you today. Thanks for being on the podcast, man.
0: Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm very excited to, to be here and chat. Yeah, I've been looking forward to connecting. It's not often that I get
1: to interview a fellow Buckeye. And uh, we are we just talking, we actually have some other connections. You're a graduate of Mount Vernon Nazarene University, where you play baseball. And I'm a graduate of a sister school called Treveca Nazarene University. So it's just kind of cool to connect with people that are from the same area and the same kind of backgrounds. To get us started, could you give us a bit of your? your background and maybe the journey that's brought you to this moment in your leadership in life?
0: Yeah, well, for me, it starts just around athletics. I played baseball in high school and, and wrestled in high school, and those were a big part of my life and part of my formation, really. And then I played college baseball at Mount Vernon Nazarene University. And then late in my time there as an athlete, I played for a Hall of Fame coach and Keith Veal, and I really just admired what he was doing, the path he was on, how he was influencing men on a yearly basis and using his life to in leveraging his career as a coach to to influence and build men. So I kind of followed his lead and and felt like coaching is a path I want to get on. And uh, was fortunate to join his staff immediately after graduating. I served as his assistant for three years and then had an opportunity to become a head coach at 26. And so my wife and I packed up and and moved up to Minnesota and uh, took over a program there and and served in a variety of capacities at that college and really just started kind of getting my legs underneath myself uh, as a leader. It was a school, a North Central University that was passionate about leadership development and uh, so I, I grew a lot. It was almost like a second college experience for me working there and being in that culture and that environment and uh, spent three years there. And then we moved to Georgia and I took over another program, coaching baseball at Toccoa Falls College. And right before COVID hit, we had an opportunity to move back to Columbus, uh, where my wife and I are from. And uh, in that time span of moving around the country and doing our thing, we added a, a couple guys to our roster, our son Judah, who's two now, and our other son, Jacoby, who's one. And uh, we've really just felt a tug to get back to Central Ohio around family. And grandparents and things like that, and and uh, God kind of opened a door for for that, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of what got us here, and and just wrote my first book last year at the end of 2020, and it released in early 2021, and and uh, just kind of launching some some exciting things in the leadership development space. So
1: that's awesome. Well, we're gonna talk about your book in a minute, but one of the primary goals of this podcast is to introduce our listeners to men and women who are leading their lives and leveraging their influence to make a difference in the world, and obviously, Justin, you're doing that. I was wondering if you were able to share. A couple of thoughts that you've learned or that you think would help our listeners to be more intentional about leveraging or growing their influence? What would you say?
0: Man, what a great question. I think we're really in a day and age where influence and growing influence is a priority for people in and out of the church. Even I think the idea of building a platform years ago maybe wasn't a big popular thing, but I don't know if it's just a technology boom or generational thing, but it feels like everyone's on this race to build a platform or influence. And it can be an exhausting. Uh, endeavor. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the most healthy thing that we're supposed to pursue. I don't think that it, it, it can be a bad thing, but I do think it could be damaging. And so I, I think as I've been wrestling with that same dilemma and just what what all this uh, influencing and leading, I think you have to start inward and, and work inside out. And uh, ultimately, I feel like the people around you who are close to you, your immediate family, your extended family, friends who've known you for years, they're, they're the people who, who can see right through any kind of fraudulent influence, creator, build your own brand type of stuff. And so I think it, that's the important thing is, is trying to grow and, and trying to influence is, is amazing. And, and I think it's, it's the avenue we can be using to honor God with our talents and our gifts. But if it comes at a cost of living kind of a double life or being one person around close friends and family and another person on some kind of stage or on some kind of platform, I think that just eventually is going to cause some kind of breakdown internally and I think the best thing we can be doing is, as we're influencing is, is being built to last and, and looking for longevity. And steadiness over years and decades, and that kind of is not a sexy concept, but I think it's one that historically wins over time. It is can you be built for the long haul, and not just some short-term influence grab, some chase and race for Instagram followers or social media followers or all that kind of stuff? I, I think we're one pulled plug on that, away from all that just being nothing, and what's left is who you are internally and on the inside. So those are just some thoughts that I've been wrestling with over. The last few years as I've grown out of college and have stepped into a, a career of leading and influencing. And it's a fight. It's something I think you have to be vigilant about. What's the status of the inside at a soul level as you grow your influence?
1: That's so good. A good friend of mine, he's been on the podcast before, a guy named Lance Witt. He talks about the the front stage and the backstage of life, and so many leaders focus so much on the front stage or the performance or the visible side, and they don't do those things of really focusing on the backstage, which is the hiddenness, the character, or the integrity, those things that really are gonna, like you said, build sustained leadership influence. So that's really good. Well, I, I know that you're in the leadership space, and man, I really love your book. I mean, I, I told you I found it searching Amazon. Like, what's new, what's coming out and released. And I saw the name, Stay the Course, Five Transformational Principles of Leaders Who Last. This podcast is all about helping people last in their leadership and influence. It's like, I got to pick it up. And so I picked it up, read it, connected with you. It's was like, okay, I, I want to have you on the podcast. But before we start talking about the book, I want to talk a little bit about another project. Then we're going to kind of go in depth in the book. Because I think the book is maybe an outflow of what you're working on with the Stay the Course Academy. Can you talk a little bit about the genesis of that and Maybe the purpose and some of the things you're doing with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the State of the Courts Academy is something that a, a business partner of mine, Marcus Williams, that we connected probably six, seven, maybe even eight months ago here, here in Columbus, and really teamed up. And, and Our passion is to to create a platform online that can that can serve emerging leaders and growing leaders and doing exactly what we talked about of building the inside. Most leaders are ambitious and they're, they're about driving and they don't lack purpose. I think they get up and know what they want to pursue. But I think anyone who's led it for any longevity at all understands the toll that it can take on a leader. And so we, we're trying to create and it'll be coming out May 1st on the state of the course academy. It's just a monthly group of emerging leaders kind of come around together. We've got curriculum content. We've got courses and a framework that we believe can encourage the inside growth and, and encourage just those types of, of things that, that leaders often neglect when they're in the the heat of the moment and in the fire and in the stress of leading teams and organizations and churches. And so we've teamed up and, and have some good content coming to encourage leaders coaching calls via Zoom and, and uh, monthly kind of summit calls with everyone in the community group. Uh, we're really excited kind of at the feedback we've gotten early with some folks who are interested and in, in, uh, hoping to grow this to, to just encourage as many leaders as we can.
1: Right now, you also are offering a weekly newsletter, right? The Stay the Course Newsletter. What can people find in that newsletter?
0: The Stay the Course Newsletter, we call it STC Tuesday. It comes out every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. And it's a STC stands for Scripture, Thought and Call to Action. But what it is, is a really brief email. We've got a large email following on that. We've got doctors, pastors, coaches at all levels from professional to high school. And we just send out a message on Tuesday mornings that hopefully helps people refocus and kind of realign and, and to get behind the their transformational purpose of the leadership. Because again, we know it's a fight that the gravity and weight of leading in whatever environment you, you're in has a way of pulling you away from the true transformational reasons for why you're leading. We start looking a little bit more short term and, and trying to get these wins that over time don't matter. And uh, so our, STC Tuesday email is really just sent to encourage. We we throw some scripture out there, some thoughts around it. And then every one of them has a call to action that again, just hopefully helps our community members just refocus a little bit and and you can fly through it in in 10 minutes, but it serves as an opportunity to recalibrate and get maybe back in touch with the, the things that you said you wanted to lead and how you wanted to lead. Yeah, it's been great. We love it. We get a lot of good engagement, call to action, get some good replies and we're just hoping to encourage as many as we can.
1: Yeah, I subscribe to it and get it every Tuesday and it's really quick read and really helpful. So, I'm going to put the link to that and to the Stay the Course Academy in the show notes so people can check that out and I'd encourage all our listeners to download, especially if you're in a leadership space, to download the newsletter, it'll be really helpful. Okay, so let's talk about the book, Stay the Course: 5 Transformational Principles of Leaders Who Last. To set this up, can you give us just a, a quick overview of the book?
0: Yeah, definitely. It's really a collection of 16 leaders in, in athletics. My background is in athletics. So th- this is really just from personal study from, from years and years ago. I was talking with a friend over, over the book after it released and they said, where did you get the idea from this? And and the day before that, I, for some reason, I was doing some organizing in our you know, home office and I found an old journal that I forgot about, like a journal entry from years ago, like October of, I think it was like 20. 15 or 16 and, and it just said simply I want to start studying the path of, of leaders who are successful but really concentrate on their times where they were in obscurity so really it's just kind of like 16 case studies of outstanding leaders that some that maybe are, are household names in athletics and others that I guarantee you no one's ever heard of but their story just struck me throughout the years of studying leaders and with each story we just kind of tell their their path and each one of them is really highlighting when they were not successful when they were just random people maybe before their big break or before their big moment. And I think what it does is it hopefully draws out experiences. And I've gotten feedback from readers that they see themselves in some of these stories. They see, Oh my gosh! This chapter is exactly where I'm at as well. It's really all the theme of it was I think we overlook all the difficult parts of the journey for for people who are in successful positions, and we see them on the mountaintop, and we just gloss over all the the difficulty and and frustration and despair and discouragement that they go through. The truth is, most of us can relate more to the discouragement and difficulty than we can the mountaintop experiences. And so, I, I really wanted to write something that was really highlighting the the hard, difficult stuff about leadership and and developing longevity in your career. I love
1: the way that you have a story and then you end each chapter with just some practical takeaways from the story. Yeah, some of the people in there like John Wooden are household names, but someone I had never heard of and they were actually some of the most inspiring to me. Okay, so there's five transformational principles that you lay out in this book. Can you walk us through those five transformational principles?
0: Definitely. Yeah. So these are kind of themes that I over the years of, of studying some of these characters and the truth of the matter is there's probably 30 other leaders that I didn't even include in the book that had very similar themes in their journey. And the first principle is that you have to start small. And what I found over time and time and time again in mentors or in people I was studying for the book is they really began with a very humble beginning. It wasn't necessarily the the big thing that they were known for leading or they were a Hall of Fame coach. They started with a kind of a mediocre team. And so I I think that principle number one, if you're going to be a leader who lasts is you can't be afraid to to start small, take a risk and uh, jump in with no guarantees. Principle number two is to keep showing up. I mentioned Des Linden, the, the marathon runner, you know, who had ran the Boston Marathon and was denied many times and just kept showing up. It was kind of her mantra to just keep showing up when you're not passionate, when you've kind of run dry. And I don't know if it's a generational thing or if it's a present day thing or what, but we have a, a tendency, I think human nature to kind of give up quickly. Yeah. And uh, so I think another principle of being a leader who lasts is you got to be able to do the work when it's pretty mundane. You don't have that flair and the, the passion you had before. Those can be indicators that it may be time to transition to something else. But I think we do ourselves a disservice if we're we're bouncing to something else too quickly. And and so I think that's a big one. The third one I think is you have to embrace change. Because I studied this. There's two types of change. There's chosen change, and then there's unchosen change. There's there's change where you're choosing and saying I'm ready for a new endeavor, or a new location, or new whatever. And there's others that can be sometimes more painful that you didn't choose that change. You were let go from the job or you were passed up and didn't get the promotion. And now you're in another realm. A a family member passes away and here's change all of a sudden. and, And you didn't choose it, but you have to embrace it. So I think that's a humongous piece of a leader who lasts is the ability to say, Change is something I can roll with. I don't have to have everything go by the script or by the plan. So the fourth principle in the book was the ability to play the long game. I mentioned a guy that I had never heard of just because he was well before my age. I wasn't even born when he was playing, but Swin Nader was a center for UCLA behind Bill Walton. I was just fascinated with his story when I came across it, that he chose to go to UCLA at the peak of their dynasty and basically rode the bench. His college experience was not making buckets to go to the championships and things like that. It was really playing behind Walton. They both ended up being first round draft picks, and to me, it was this powerful visual of the ability to to say, okay, I, I'm not concerned with the short term wins or gains. I want to be able to look at uh, the long game here and, and uh, make key critical decisions that can impact my long term growth versus my immediate. I want the reward right now. And then the fifth one that we kind of outlined was a leader who lasts that uh, lives a higher standard. This is really rooted in the Beatitudes. Jesus, all he's talking on the Sermon of the Mount, and he's discussing the law, and he's discussing you know, you've heard that it said, and he would fill in the blanks with, with the law. And he never lowered the standard. He never said, you heard that it was said, but I'm telling you lower standard. He always took it up a notch. And, and so I think it's a pretty powerful concept of a true leader who lasts is ready to live at the highest possible standard. They're not going to call someone to a standard. They're not willing to live. They're, they're not going to cut corners. They're, they're really focused on their growth. And then out of their, their growing, they help their organization grow. those are the five principles we kind of outlined and I've seen it time and time again in real life mentors of mine. And then these figures that I studied from a distance that I've never met, but, but taught me a lot as well.
1: So you said there were a lot of stories you could have chose from and you chose those 16, which each one I think illustrates the principle really well, but I am interested in the process of how you actually dial down to those stories. What was your thinking of like, was it just that it illustrated better or did they resonate with you more or how did you go through that process?
0: That's a great question. I really was intentional about trying to choose some individuals that no one had ever heard of. And and there was some strategy behind that is that you can look at Des Linden, who's not a household big time name. You can look at Klaus Henning Schulk, one of my favorite stories in the book about the Berlin Marathon volunteer. I think there's an element with leadership. You hear John Wooden as a coach and he's kind of in this like upper echelon class this untouchable territory. And I wanted to kind of normalize some of this and I wanted to include stories where it was just like, man, that's just a normal person just like me, just like you, just like anyone else. And I really wanted to demystify or pull the curtain back that behind all these big name leaders and then these other leaders who are normal people you've never heard of, it's all the same experience that you and I are experiencing in our lives. I think we have a tendency... To kind of put these people in unrelatable territory and say, well, that's great for John Wooden or Bill Walsh, but you know, for me, I just don't, I don't relate with that or it's just not going to work the same way for me. Yeah. So that was kind of the strategy behind it with who I included and I hopefully drove it home. Yeah, it's interesting how different stories connect. Are there a couple stories that
1: personally for you that were more inspiring, like they spoke to who you are or to your
0: core? I think that the biggest one, Tony Robichaux, before his passing, was a beloved coach in, in the baseball community I, I never met him but I just admired him so much even before he passed away just the way he was going about his business he's at a university that is highly competitive and really from a, a I think you hear the term in, in coaching in, in Christian coaching circles of a, of a kingdom coach mm-hmm. and uh, man he was the definition of that he was leveraging the game of baseball for an eternal impact and uh, he he's going to be tremendously missed and still is revered but I think the other one that really just challenged when I came across his story, challenged my definition of leadership and, and servant leadership especially, was Klaus Henning Schulk, the, the Berlin Marathon volunteer. And you can click and, and get to bonus material on our website, but there's a video where you can find of this in action. And it's just a powerful visual to me. The quick backstory, Elliot Kipchoge is probably the best marathoner in the world or the history of the world. He's incredible. And I think it's just a profound impact that a servant leader can have he breaks the world record in, in Berlin. He's being interviewed after and, and he's reminiscing about the day, a dream day. I mean, for a marathoner to, to shatter the world record is like, this is what you live for. And he, he is recalling what he remembers most about that day. And it was the passion and enthusiasm of this bottle handler, this guy who would hand the nutrients and water and things that fueled him to run and then would get on a bike and pedal up miles ahead and be ready for him. And I just think you you see that passion and enthusiasm and there's not an ounce of sarcasm in it for the volunteer Klaus. I just think that it really demonstrates how powerful a servant leader can be and how much of an impact it can make and how much even on a a world-class athlete's dream day, he's thinking of this guy that is doing a pretty menial task. He's He's handing him a bottle of water and, and nutrients, and, and it's really not that important of a job, but he does it to the to the complete fullest and, and with so much enthusiasm that it has a profound impact on his day. And, and so I think ultimately serving leadership is just gives the people what they need and get out of the way and to do that with energy. And you're going to actually influence and, and, and help uh, transform someone's performance. His story has stuck with me a lot. It's really cool.
1: So the very last sentence in the chapter about Sid Hartman, I actually literally have it highlighted, starred, and underlined. And when I read it, I was like, yes, this is the thing that I'm personally so passionate about. And it's really the underbetting for Live, Lead, Last. And here it is. It's a legacy is the accrual of decades of influence, completely dependent on one action at a time. I love that definition of legacy. And I would love to hear you unpack your thoughts or around that or around legacy a bit?
0: Mm, Yeah, definitely. I think legacy is a huge buzzword in, in leadership and influencing. I think it really comes down to though, Another word of just consistency. And so I think that's why it comes down to one action at a time. You know, I had a mentor years ago. He he had a profound impact on my life. I was a big influence in getting into coaching. He spoke a lot of life into me early. And then years later, there were some issues and it's not that he blew up, but there were some moral issues that went down that I heard about years later since I had been separated from him. And and it no doubt damaged his legacy. And it was difficult for me because you hear of other leaders and individuals in, in the church or out of the church that that some event happens and it causes us all who've been under their influence to kind of shift our like perception of, of their legacy. And to me, it it just speaks of like, man, you can lose it in in one decision. You can lose a legacy or a powerful history of influencing it. It can turn on a dime because of one decision. And so it got me kind of thinking about just the consistency that it takes to to build a legacy and, and just how difficult. I mean, I, I don't know if you set out to build a legacy, if you're going to end up there, but if you set out to build a consistent day in and day out, I'm working on the core of my being at a soul level, being connected to God. That At the end of the day, the, the, the chief end of my life is to, to be in intimacy with God. And then out of that position, I can lead influence from family to the ends of the earth. That to me became a razor like sharp focus that I think we can make that go backwards, especially young leaders. I was in leadership positions in my 20s. And and so you're, you're starving for uh, legacy and platform and influence expanding and growing. And, and those are kind of the things that I could sense growing in, in my life. And I think I've kind of doubled down on all that will come if our inside life is pure yeah. and our inside life is connected to God and, and we're growing and, and we're consistently showing up there, no strings attached, not doing it to build a platform and prepared for this or that. It's really just like, that's the end game is to just be in an intimate relationship with God. And, and I think out of that, you've got a pretty good chance to have a powerful legacy when it's all said and done. It's kind of where my mind's going.
1: Yeah, it's so good. I do a lot of teaching on self-leadership. One of my favorite statements is from Jim Rohn. He talks about the compound effect of small, smart decisions every day over time equals success. But the converse of that is small errors in judgment over time equal accumulated disaster. Mm-hmm. You know, you said it's like that one decision and, and usually it's not the big decision that ends up running some of these influence or legacy. It's the small decisions and one of the things I heard somebody say one time is that most leaders don't blow up. Usually it's an imploding from the inside mm. out. So that consistency in how you live your life, every action, every day really builds a legacy. Well, man, I love this book. Obviously, you can talk about how much I love it. And I read 70 to 90 books a year. This is at the top of my list for this year. It's not a super long read, but it's a powerful read. So I just want to thank you for your effort and work and putting it into the world and its impact in my life and I'm excited about our listeners hearing it. I I know that you're an avid reader as well.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: I'd love to know if you could share maybe something you're currently reading or if there's something you've read recently that's inspired you.
0: What I'm currently reading, I'm literally in the middle of, uh, it's called Presence by Amy Cuddy. It had been on my list for a long time. I just had heard it through podcasts or other leaders would mention it. And and for whatever reason, it's just kind of stayed stuck in my reading queue. And I finally am getting into it. And it's phenomenal. I highly recommend it. But I think so far, the, the most impactful book I've read in 2021 is about the Wright Brothers. I think it's just titled Wright Brothers. But it was just fantastic. And again, it was on these same lines of like pulling back the curtain on these historical figures, these larger than life figures. And the the story basically was it was written so well, but it took them from their early days in the bike shop all the way to the entire journey. I just loved it. And it just hit home so much. Cause again, it was back to that kind of stay the course theme that their journey, like we gloss over the history of their journey so much and go, Oh, yeah, they a couple flights down to North Carolina. Next thing you know, they're boom, got it. Yeah. It was like decades of just toiling with this project and just they'd get all geared up to go down to Kitty Hawk and then it would crash and burn. And then it, they'd ride this train back, just dejected and crushed and, and kept at it. And, and so like I was highlighting, I basically highlighted the whole book. I yeah. felt like I was just going every page. I'm just taking notes and highlighting. And, and I highly recommend that book just because I love history. And, and, but just those figures, again, the most like large in the life people, I didn't know a whole lot about them other than what they did. and, And they really pulled the curtain back on and normalized who they were in that process and journey. And it was so encouraging. So for any emerging leader, if you've got a project you're building, I think that that would really encourage. So those are two that I'm really into.
1: I haven't read the first one, but The Wright Brothers is a great book and I would concur. I highly recommend that book. Well, listen, we always close a conversation with guests by doing some random questions. So would you be up for a few this or that questions?
0: Absolutely, let's do it. Okay, yeah.
1: so there'll be five of them and they don't really have anything to do with leadership or things we talked about, but I think I'll throw in a couple that have to do with our great home state of Ohio. Yes, so <laughs> Buckeye State, yeah. We'll start with this, Browns
0: or Bengals? That that's a tough one. I, I would vote neither. If I have to choose, I I love the resurgence of the Browns lately. I grew up a Chiefs fan. My dad was a huge Chiefs fan. Okay. I, I would not claim their Super Bowl. I wasn't waving the flag or anything. I mean, I'm kind of a casual fan, but I love seeing what's going on in Cleveland. I will say that. It's cool to see that the momentum they've got going. So I'm, I'm pulling for them.
1: I always, when people ask me that question, I always say there's only one professional football team in Ohio and that's yeah. the Buckeyes. So absolutely. <laughs> yeah, agreed. agreed. Okay, here's another Ohio Ohio one, Jenny's or Grater's ice cream?
0: A Grater's and I will, I will fight to the death on this one. I, I absolutely love Grater's. They, Grater's I, I would even go movie. as far as to say, I think Jenny's is a little overrated. This is just me. My not trying to get controversy in here, <laughs> but Grater's, the, the black raspberry chip is just to die for. Yeah. So, that, that's yeah. a pretty famous
1: one. And we're in Florida. And a lot of people will ship in Grater's ice cream mm. or Jenny's here. Cause it's not readily available, but man, I, I'll tell you what, whenever I'm in Columbus, the homemade hot fudge that they have at Graders is just insane. So, okay, here's another one.
0: Phone calls
1: or texting?
0: I love getting kind of lost in a phone call with the good friend or or I love deeper conversations. It's just, I don't really do a lot of small talk. It's just, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of an introvert. So a long, good conversation on the phone where you kind of lose track of time. And I love those. I would definitely lean that way, but I I do text a fair bit as well, but I definitely go phone call.
1: Okay. How about sense of humor or sense of style?
0: I think sense of humor is one of the most secret weapons, not just for leaders, but for anyone in life. I, I think I can think of hard, difficult experiences that I've gotten through in life because I shared it with someone who had the same sense of humor that I do. And, and you, any situation or any difficult little chapter, tough job or something, if you're paired up with someone who's got a good sense of humor, it, it makes it better. So I'm going to go sense of humor okay. for sure.
1: Love it. Okay, last one. We'll go back to a sports question here. We know that Trevor Lawrence from Clemson was will be the top pick taken in the draft. Who do you take as number two quarterback? Zach Wilson of BYU or Justin Fields of The Ohio State University? This is a very
0: difficult one because I'm just going to be tremendously biased. I, I think they're sleeping on fields. I, I know. watched every snap this year, and I think he's a great quarterback. And I'm not saying he's going to the Hall of Fame, but I, I don't really understand this this slide that's occurring and, and what changed. And he shredded Clemson and, and he, he's got all the intentions. I would take Fields. Wilson, he can ball for sure yeah. there's no doubt he, he may fit the NFL mold but I, I'm just biased and don't understand the uh, why Fields is now and you know, I saw someone say that you know they saw him as high as second third pick and as low as the fourth round and I, I know. thought like what this is ridiculous so yeah, I'm biased, crazy though.
1: I know it was a Homer question because I, I figured I have to turn off the podcast if you said Zach Wilson yeah. <laughs> but Justin thanks again for being on the podcast this has really been a lot of fun it's been great connecting with and getting to know you a little bit but if listeners want to learn more about you where would you send them online
0: yeah definitely go check us out on stay the course leaders.com again we've got that the state of the course academy launching would love to, to you know see some people join if you want to reach out to me directly you can hit me with an email at stay the course leaders at gmail.com I would love to connect with with emerging leaders and see how we can help. Awesome. Well, I, I want to encourage everyone who's listening to pick up a copy
1: of Justin's book, Stay the Course: Five Transformational Principles of Leaders Who Last. And also, I'd really encourage you to sign up for the weekly Stay the Course newsletter. It's really great. I get it every Tuesday. Um, I'll add the links to the show notes and all the ways to contact Justin. Justin, look forward to following your journey. And next time in Columbus, maybe we should grab some graders and continue the conversation. And would love to have you on the podcast again the future and just talk about what's going on with stay the
0: course. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely to both. I'll buy the graders for sure. You let me know when you're up here and would love to come back whenever. So thanks again for having me.
2: Thanks again, Justin, for investing in the podcast with a gift of your time. I really thought the conversation around legacy was so powerful. Small decisions accumulate and build the legacy we want to leave behind. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. As I said to Justin, when I read that statement in the book, it really resonated with our desire behind this podcast to inspire people to live intentionally. It adds up and it matters.
2: So true. As we wrap up this episode, we want to remind you that there will be one more episode for season two, and then we'll be taking a short break, a hiatus for us in order to work on the podcast before coming back for season three. Stay up to date by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Live Lead Last Podcast. We also invite you to join our Facebook Group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash lively last.
1: You can find the show notes to this and every show at lively last.com. Thanks again for joining us for this episode. We wish you a blessed and safe week. Lead your life and leverage your influence today in a way that leaves the legacy that you want for tomorrow. Until next week, bye bye. bye.
0: bye.